You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. Uh, we took a bye week, the off-season bye week, and of course, there is all kinds of stuff going on now. So we've had, I guess for some, the Anthony Richardson Invitational in Indianapolis. The, the, the scouting combine happened last week. We've got the tag deadline came and went. We've got some quarterback signings. We've got some quarterbacks looking for new teams uh, via the trade market. Uh, we've got Lamar and, and, and what happened there with Baltimore. So lots of stuff to talk about, potential cuts, uh, some free agents that we we might like or not like. But uh, Alex, we had the combine. And uh, first and foremost, I guess the biggest thing going into it was Bryce Young's height and what that was going to come in at. And he came in at 5'10". Uh, he bulked up about 20 pounds, you know, to get the 206. You watched him during the course of the season. I mean, what do you think? What did you make of this? Do you think this is a big deal or bigger deal now or no deal? Well, he's still short, Lou. Yeah, I just, that's not changing. Th- that's not changing. I mean, we knew that. And he's a different player than Kyler Murray. Some people out there have been comparing Kyler and Bryce based on their height and their weight. And yeah, we know that Kyler was selected number one overall a few years back by the Arizona Cardinals. But Murray is a different player than Bryce Young, okay? Murray is more of a runner. He's an explosive runner. He's got that acceleration that he can turn on like right away. He's like a running back. He can go from 0 to 60 with one movement, basically. Bryce Young is not that type of player. He's a pocket passer, all right? That's what he is. He can extend plays. He does a good job with that. He can run for the first down. No question about it. I'm not calling him strictly a pocket passer. But Bryce Young is more of a passer than Kyler Murray is. Kyler Murray is a dual threat. Bryce Young, you wouldn't call him that. He's just a guy that can move around the pocket, extend plays, you know, find the player downfield for an accurate throw. He's more of a, a precision thrower. All right? That's what he is. And so when people make that comparison, it's really lazy. Because Kyler was a great athlete. Okay, Bryce Young is not a great athlete. He's a good quarterback. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable drafting Bryce Young number one overall. I wouldn't feel comfortable trading up if I was the Carolina Panthers or the Colts. And it seems like the Bears are open for a trade. It's going to happen. No question about it. I think it's going to happen even before the draft. So, you know, the team that moves up. He's going to get that number one overall pick. I just don't think it's Bryce Young that's going to be drafted number one overall. Because my biggest concern, can he stay healthy? I mean, we've we've seen Kyler Murray, the explosive athlete. He can't stay healthy. Uh, well, I think the, that's where the comparison comes in, Alex. I don't think there, people would be comparing them as players, but just the size. And can they take the beating? 
right? I mean, these guys are going to get hit. Whether they run or not, uh, they're going to get hit. So that that's where I think it really comes in. You know, Johnny Manziel, Baker, these smaller guys. I mean, Baker's a little stockier, but still, you know, not been able to, to, to stay healthy much. And it's it, that's the, the biggest concern. I don't know that I don't know that, uh, you know, is he more Russell Wilson? I think in terms, yeah, I think he is more Russell Wilson. But the truth is, again, Russell. He's, he's slight. Bryce yeah, is he's slight. slight. Bill, yeah, he's Frank. slight. And Russell, I would say, is a better runner. He's a better athlete still. And, and this isn't to take away from Bryce. But I think Bryce Young is closer to Tua as far as being that runner, being that athlete. He's he's more of a pocket passer. So I would have concerns with that. It's just in general, I see these guys, and there's a pattern out there. These guys can't stay healthy. And I want my quarterback to be able to start for 17 games. I wouldn't want you know to spend a top five pick on a quarterback who's going to be sitting half of the time. That's just that's too big of a risk for me. Whether it's concussions, whether it's shoulder issues, Bryce Young was playing injured this year. Nick Saban was even quoted a few times saying that Bryce Young isn't practicing, all right? He's not practicing with the offense, but he was a gamer. He went out there and he performed. But if he can't stay healthy in college, I made this case, you know, this point with Tua a couple of years back. If you can't stay healthy in college, how do you expect to stay healthy in the NFL? Right, and I don't know that it was a constant problem there, but, you know, enough that you have to think twice. And I, and again, it's not a unique theory or just kind of a mindset going into a draft, but I think it was Sean Payton, I think he was on with, with Cowherd and, and some other people. And, and whenever he's asked about it, he always talks about, you know, he was you know, a disciple of Bill Parcells. And Parcells was like, let's not break prototype if we're drafting the top 15. Right. You know, in terms of size, speed, you know, some of these things that and, and there's other things that go into it. That's not the only thing. But to get a guy that's really small at his position or, you know, let's not like have to reach. OK. And especially at the quarterback position. Now, it doesn't have to be like six, six to 50 where it looks like the position, you know, it was going for a while with guys like Josh Allen. Ben Roethlisberger and the type, but, you know, to go to five ten and really, really stretching 200 pounds. Uh, yeah, that, that's tough to do. And I would, and any GM and so forth has really got to, got to think long and hard. So it'd be interesting to see first off who makes that deal with the bears, because I don't think the bears are going to go the route of, you know, drafting a quarterback and, and trading, uh, fields at this point I think they're they're, they're going to stick with their guy so uh, whoever makes them the best offer they're going to move down and take take the next guy um, I mentioned at the top and by the, the way by the way I just wanted to mention yeah I, I like Bryce Young as yeah uh, as a prospect. Oh, great player yeah based on based on my evaluation this year I would say he's the best quarterback prospect out of this bunch all right Absolutely. he's the guy that I would feel comfortable with but if you ask me, am I comfortable enough drafting him number one overall? Hell no. So, I mean, there's, am I willing to trade up the farm to go get him at number one or number four or number five? No. But if he falls to me, like to Carolina a little bit later or to the Raiders, I would be willing to take him top 10. I would take that chance. 
a lot more comfortable with him than I was with Tua a couple of years back when the Dolphins, you know, chose him at number five overall. So I would take a chance on him in the top 10, but not number one overall, not top five, and I wouldn't trade up for him. It's just, again, when you're trading up, you're giving up the farm, and he's just, he's not that type of quarterback for me. Right, and not that we would ever compare Trey Lance to Bryce Young, but just the situation, what San Francisco had to do to get up to three to take him, and and again, it's it, it's a big price to pay, and and if it hits, you look great. If all of a sudden, you know, he's getting injured, he's not playing on a regular basis, now it's like, oh my God, we've kind of hamstrung ourselves, and typically it's not a very good team doing this, and, you know, you need players moving forward. So, uh, yeah, let's go to the top here when I talked about Anthony Richardson, uh, his invitational, because he was everything, every bit the athlete that uh, everybody expected. Uh, set records for uh, the, the 40 for a quarterback, the, the vertical jump for a quarterback, his broad jump. I mean, not the 40, but the but the broad jump and the and the vertical. So the jumps, but he still ran a four four three as a quarterback. So the athleticism is there. Again, he only started 12 games. People are going to be wowed by this athleticism. But the one thing that struck me that typically when you see these guys that are, you know, ultra athletic quarterbacks and they're kind of yoked up that they they when they throw the ball, it's kind of stiff. The thing that really impressed me is he has a really easy motion. Now, again, this is no pads, no helmet, whatever. They're, he's just throwing on air. But it, it just seemed the ease with it with which he threw the ball and was a very, you know, accurate throw again, no defense, but still, I mean, he, that's what struck me, makes some wild plays at Florida, misses some really easy plays. So, I mean, this is, this is really boomer bust here. Um, but what did you think of him? I guess not so much his performance at the combine, but kind of what your thoughts were coming into this. Well, we knew he was a great athlete. Obviously, he, he impressed with the vertical jump, with the broad jump, with this 40 time. And he is Cam Newton-esque type of player. I mean, he's a guy that's carrying 240, 245. And again, he can he can accelerate like move Lamar it. Jackson. He can he accelerate can like Kyler Murray. Yeah. He can run over you or around you. And I think that's that's what makes him special in that regard. We know that the NFL has already moved in that direction, that there are many teams that are infatuated with a quarterback prospect like him. But you need to develop him as a passer. I mean, he's only started 13 games. And the fact is, he's, he makes those wow throws, but then he misses a lot of easy ones. And for a guy that doesn't make good decisions, a guy that struggles with his accuracy, and his footwork is just messy. I mean, it's just... I mean, you definitely need to put him and just work on that because it's the footwork that gets him in trouble. He's got the arm. He's got everything else. Uh, he's got the size. So a lot of teams are going to be intrigued by him, but he needs to sit for a couple of years. And, you know, like he didn't win at Florida. That's another thing. Like Cam Newton was the number one overall pick because he won at Auburn. All right, he started for one season, but he won the national championship. I mean, when you look at Anthony Richardson, it's kind of like hit and miss a little bit. 
I mean, you would expect them to win a few more games. Great athlete, an inconsistent passer. Am I comfortable enough drafting him in the top 10? I would if I'm like the Seattle Seahawks because I know I signed Geno for a couple of years. He can sit and just learn the position and they can develop him. But if he goes to a team like Carolina or Oakland, they're going to ask him to play right away. And that's the worst thing that, that can happen to him. He needs to sit. If he sits, he can be successful. And I think I would definitely take him over, you know, the Kentucky quarterback. Absolutely. I would take Anthony Richardson uh, over him. Now, yeah, Will no Levis, he, he did look a little stiff throwing the but Again, a bigger, stronger dude. Obviously, you know, he, he's got a rifle, cannon, whatever you want to call it. He called it himself a cannon. So I I, I, I kind of like that <laughs> coming out, kind of calling his shots. Well, I've got a cannon. I want to show it off. So uh, self-confidence is big. Uh, but the, the thing that I guess that really strikes me about Levis is just, you know, going back so many years and whatever, maybe just my mind is jaded by this, but he was initially at Penn state and it just, all those pictures come back to me, black ledge and Kerry Collins. Now Collins made it to a super bowl, but whatever. I don't know that Penn state quarterbacks have Now he did go to Kentucky was fairly successful there in his, his uh, last season this past year not so much, lost some of his weapons, a little injured. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little iffy on Levis. Um, you know, there was, there was a Penn State transfer quarterback that had a successful NFL career. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was yeah, originally yeah, a Penn State. Yeah. Transferred to, to Delaware, Delaware yeah. for a couple of years. Well, didn't he go to Pitt? Didn't he go to Pitt first? Yeah, I think he did. I think he, he did. Went didn't he went to Pitt and then went to Delaware, and that's kind of where he really got a chance to so play. So it wasn't Penn State. It was Pitt. Okay. I got it. Yeah. It was Pitt. I thought it was yeah. Penn State. No? No. No, no. I no, I yes, seriously. I live in the, not in the backyard, but in the state. So <laughs> and and just ever since Todd Blackledge to the Chiefs, I've kind of tracked that. And they, they've always had good quarterbacks like in you know good college quarterbacks they've never ever put one into the pros that was really good now if you're re- you know it's, a lot of you guys out there will have to google this and, and trust me but there was uh, a guy now again i was young so this is many many years ago uh there was a guy by the name of chuck fusina that ended up, I think, winning a USFL championship with, uh, uh, I think it was Carl Peterson's team, the Philadelphia Stars, maybe. I don't know. But uh, this, is going, this is going way back. So anyway, uh, let's just say Penn State quarterbacks have not fared very well in the league. But and I, hate, I hate Will Levis, okay? I mean, I just... I don't hate him, but it's, I just have a bad taste because of the history, I think. And just the fact when, that, again, you just haven't seen enough to really, to really make a, an evaluation. So this is what makes it hard for these teams that you, I think you've got very good tape very good production from Bryce Young, but he's, you know, he's slight in size. Then you've got these other guys that meet the physical characteristics, but maybe don't have the production. So, okay, we have to kind of, uh, uh, kind of extrapolate this. We have to predict this in the future. Are they going to develop? 
And then you've got somebody like C.J. Stroud, again, fighting that moniker of the Ohio State quarterback while he's throwing to wide open guys and all the things that come up. But still, the history is not too many Ohio State quarterbacks or any have really shown a lot in the NFL. Now, the, the, it's, the jury's still out on fields. Maybe he'll develop. But C.J. Stroud is a much different player almost like the anti-fields. He's very comfortable in the pocket. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He can make some plays outside, but he didn't really show that until the semifinal against Georgia, where you're like, where's this guy been all year? Where's he been all, you know, his whole career? And it's like, oh, now we're going to look at this guy a little different. Can he do that on a regular basis? Show off that mobility. When the play, play breaks down, can he buy time? And against one of the best defenses in the country, he really lit it up. And if Harrison doesn't get hurt late in that game, they probably end up winning. And he looked really smooth, really accurate. I don't think he did any of the drills, but he did throw. Uh, again, against air, you're not going to say, okay, well, now we'll draft him. But he, he showed some there. And, and it, it wasn't too big for him, you know, with the other guys. I think he really relished that opportunity to show that, hey, I'm the guy here. But I don't I, what What are your thoughts on him? Well, I think what we saw against Georgia was very impressive. I mean, he put on a clinic. <clears throat> he put on a clinic. I mean, what we saw, what we saw from Stroud against Georgia in the semifinal game, he put on a clinic with his accuracy with his dual threat ability, he showed off his athleticism, and he almost that won that game. But and I see a guy that attacks the ball to all three levels. He has good accuracy, short, intermediate, deep throws. He can drive the ball. He has that athleticism. He has good ball placement. But besides that Georgia game, I saw a guy that struggled against pressure. Like when the pressure was in his face. He wasn't able to make those plays. He wasn't able to extend those plays quite as much as you would expect. He has great players around him at Ohio State. I mean, the, the wide receivers, they just they keep turning them out like every year. I mean, these guys are just pro-ready already as like freshmen or sophomores. Do a great job. Ohio State does a great job developing those wide receivers. And we'll see that Marvin Harrison Jr., it's probably going to be a legitimate number one overall pick next year. Many people shout, are going to be comparing. Shout out to, shout out to Brian Hartline, the wide receiver coach. He's been there for many years, and he keeps keeps turning them out. I don't you, you don't hear his name too much uh, as far as head coaching. Me, yeah, we digress, but I I always thought that was fascinating that he just kind of sticks there. Well, I mean, the guy he played in the NFL himself. He he's just continuing to develop these guys. I mean, they just keep winning, like. Uh, obviously Garrett Wilson this year with Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chris Olave. I mean, they're going to have a, a few guys in this draft. And then, obviously, they've got Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. I just, it's amazing. So, I mean, these guys are wide open. C.J. Stroud should be completing 70% of his passes. But again, when the play broke down, when the pressure was in his face, I felt like Stroud didn't do enough for me. Like when the offensive line didn't give him that protection, you expected a little bit more out of him. And I felt like he struggled under pressure. But I would take Stroud over Will Levis uh, just because with Le Stroud is younger. I feel like Levis struggles under pressure himself. 
when the play breaks down, he can't extend it. I felt like he struggled with his decision-making. You know, the Kentucky quarterback is he's 23 years old. I mean, do you actually expect him to get better? I don't. I mean, he's, he's already old enough. Like, he should be more pro-ready. But this is where the whole thing comes in. Like, Ohio State and Alabama have great players around, right? They have the offensive line. They have the wide receivers. Kentucky didn't have that. So the, the guy is not going to have any wide receivers that are going to get drafted. He doesn't have yeah. the offensive line. So that's what you have to take under consideration. It's almost like Josh Allen, right? Yeah, when he absolutely. played against great competition, Nebraska, Iowa, his his playmakers they couldn't match up. So you couldn't you didn't look that good. <clears throat> but I just I have my doubts about well uh, Will and uh, I I would take Stroud, I would take Bryce Young, I would take Anthony Richardson over the Kentucky quarterback. Two guys I want to mention real quick, and it's I, I not like saying they're. The, going to get drafted really high or anything, but just really impressed me. But DTR from UCLA really impressed me because one, I mean, he very fast, obviously seemed to be again in the throwing drills, very accurate throws a really easy ball, uh, throws a very he's got some ball speed to it too i mean it comes out of his hand pretty well and just a really fluid guy and then you hear him you know just in in some of the conversations and he just sounds like a guy that is can be a a, a real leader seriously i mean he just he just gives you that sense that he's you know beyond his years in terms of how he carries himself how he speaks and i think people will follow him and that that you know will will go a long way in helping him make a team this year and then the other one that somewhat controversial and now that we have the uh the experience of brock purdy now everybody's going to be looking for a brock purdy but stetson bennett uh now he's had you know a little little issue there with the law this whole thing and Jalen Carter was involved in that that whole mess but just watching him I mean he ran a 4640 I didn't expect that okay not that he was you know that he was going to run like you know uh, over five seconds but that that impressed me a little bit and some of the go balls he was throwing again it's against air and so forth I get it you're not going to draft him based on this but I think if there is a Brock Purdy out there, this guy would be the prime candidate. But uh, those two guys, you know, showed me a little bit too. Okay, good to know. Not, not my type of, not my cup of tea um, on both of those guys. I realized that, you know, Dorian Thompson-Bennett, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was, uh, you know, he had a really good week at the East-West Shrine game. And, you know, he, he made some fans out there. People were praising him during the week. Stetson Bennett, obviously, you know, had a great combine. And we know what we, what he has done at Georgia. You know, he's a winner. I mean, you can't, like, you, you can't go against that. But, yeah, those are not the two guys that I would put my money on. I mean, those are No, I mean, I don't think they're going to be high draft picks by any stretch. No, that's not even that. I just don't think they will them, stick. I, thought... I don't think they will stick in the NFL, though. That's all. All right. Well, I, again, I think that's the whole th The beauty of this is that, you know, guy. And again, I mean, we had Brock Purdy last year. I don't know that anybody was thinking that either. But again, it's all where you where you end up, 
where Except you get slotted. Except for me, Lou. Except for what, me. I was a big fan of Brock Purdy. You are on Purdy. He's going to be the starter for our team and take us to the take us to the AFC or NFC Championship or close. I didn't say that. God, I if felt- he just didn't get hurt. But that, but but that's the thing is nobody could have seen that coming. Yeah, I know you liked him, and hey, he's going to make a team. But just the fact that they were able to go as far as they did, I think that's, I guess, like the idea. Hey, let's we need to find a a Purdy that we can just kind of stash on our team or maybe the practice squad and, you know, maybe develop him for a while and then kind of unleash the guy when we get a chance. But I think Brock Brock Purdy's don't come along every year. All right. I mean, those quarterbacks, they it happens like every Five, seven years. Okay? Oh, I don't even know if it happens that often. A seventh round quarterback hits? I mean, that no, I, that's that's like lightning in a bottle. But still, it's one of those things that an owner sees that might not be so involved in football. Says, well, geez, you know, San Francisco found a guy in the seventh round. Why the hell don't we have a good quarterback, right? So anyway, that I, he just, you know, Stetson Bennett impressed. I Leading up to this point, I, again, watching him, hey, he's a little bit older. This is kind of what you see is what you get. But who knows? We'll, we'll see if he, he turns out to be that guy. So enough about the quarterbacks because again, but they'll, you know, they're going to dominate the conversation all the way up through the draft. And we'll be talking about some pro quarterbacks shortly that also will dominate the conversation, but just some position players, um, the rise, if you would, of Tyree Wilson as an edge rusher, um, Texas tech, again, big 12 defense that those two terms don't always go hand in hand, but if you really watch the games that that league has really gotten a little bit better defensively. The scores aren't nearly as high as they've been in the previous years. I don't know if that's defense. I don't know if it's just the fact that teams are playing more ball control. Maybe the the level of quarterback plays isn't as great, but you've got some good defensive players coming out of that league. And Tyree Wilson, can he be this year's Trayvon Walker? Not be the number one pick, but be the, the first edge rusher to go. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it just depends. Uh, I mean, like are him? we calling? Wait, are we calling Will Anderson an edge rusher? I would call him that. See, that's right? the thing. I guess you have to. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So okay, I'm taking Will Anderson just because I want him on my three fourteen. I mean, I would want an outside linebacker like that that can bring pressure, that can get to the quarterback consistently, that has put up those numbers. You know, the sacks, the tackles for loss. I just, he's done it, you know, the past couple of years. I think he is the best defensive player in this draft, and I would take him over Tyree Wilson. But I do think Wilson fits more teams just in general, because what is he, like 6'6", 270 pounds. He can grow, right? He's he got be it all, man. Tr- he's got the, got the wingspan of like a, you know, shot blocker in the NBA. I mean, it's like an 80, 84 inches, 86 inches, something crazy. Yeah, he can be that Michael Bennett. You know, for a 4-3 team, but he can also play 5-tech. He can be that guy for a 3-4 team as well. Put another, you know, 10 pounds easily, and he can be that as well. But I'm taking Will Anderson. I'm I'm biased. I think he's a he's a wrecker. He's a game wrecker out there. I think he, he can get to the quarterback. He can impact plays in a way that Von Miller impacts plays. And I think going to a 3-4 team, he's going to bring out the best in him. So Anderson is my guy. That's the guy that I would bang the table for as a top three pick. And that's it. I think the Bears should trade out, but I hope that they get him because 
he, he could be a good asset to that team. And then, of course, just the, you got the interesting just whole case of Jalen Carter, who, you know, arguably the best player in this draft. And, you know, you've got off field stuff that is coming back into play. And, you know, did he lie to the police? You know, there's all sorts of different ways that this can go. But, you know, and that's, you know, the courts will decide all that piece of it. And I think he his arraignment is sometime in April. So, again, this has got to play itself out. But, again, as an evaluator, as a, a GM or somebody that's got to pull the trigger, you know, how – you got to wait and see. I don't think I don't think you can really say, well, you know, hey, if he slips to 10, sure, we'll take it. We'll take a shot at him uh, and maybe you catch you just, you know, catch it right. It just, you know, karma and he just he drops and you get lucky. But um, but again, talent wise, did you would you have him ahead of Will? Even though they play different positions, would you have him ahead of Will Anderson just based on the talent and his ability? No. Will Anderson, to me, is the best defensive player in this draft. It's hard to find good pass rushers, consistent pass rushers, that have done it over a couple of years. And no, I would not have Carter, even without the -the off-the-field issues, ahead of Will Anderson. And I think he will drop. I don't think anybody is going to take him in the top 10 because I think this situation would linger. And I think a lot of teams will feel uncomfortable with it. But somebody taking him in the top 15 or top 20 is going to get a steal because, I mean, the guy deserves to be a top five pick based on his talent level. So we know the quarterbacks are going to go early. We know that teams are going to trade up. But then you'll see like Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter. I mean, those guys are definitely up there. That Those are my top three defenders if we're not taking cornerbacks under consideration so sure uh, and i'm sure we will we'll talk a hell of a lot more about this as we get closer to the draft uh we've got obviously some nfl stuff to get to but a couple other defensive names uh kalisha cansey from from pitt uh you know six feet 298 he runs a four six seven and of course the the natural uh, i guess first thought is oh my gosh you know same school almost the same size uh, you know, can you make the comparison, you know, to another defensive lineman that plays for the Rams just because he went to pit? Now, obviously, he was much more celebrated, you know, a lot of awards, more accomplished at pit. But, uh, I mean, the first thing is you, 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 people are saying, well, it could be like another Aaron Donald. But uh, let's let's pump the brakes on that. But Kalisha Kansi, I think, really helped himself to whereas not so much that, OK, we can draft him now. But, hey, let's go back and take a look at how good this guy was this year because, hey, he's obviously very athletic. He can do all the things we need him to do. But, you know, how consistent is the motor? You know, all the, what's his consistency like? We have all the different things that you look at when you look at film. But was he a guy on your radar prior to this or did he kind of show out? I like him. I liked him as a day two pick. I think now he has risen into first round territory and I don't feel as comfortable because he's certainly not Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was like double team, triple team at Pitt uh, when he played for Pitt. And, you know, people in the in the conference just, uh, you know, paid special attention to him. That's not what I see out of Cansey, but... He's a he's a quick guy. He's got quickness, but my God, Lou, if you watch his games and the film, he gets washed out against the run. I know that some people even would make a case that Aaron Donald is not a good run defender, 
Like, you know, he's more of a pass rusher that, you know, is disruptive. Some people would make a case, and the numbers kind of back that up. Aaron Donald is certainly not a good or elite run defender out there. But Kansi just gets washed out on run plays. I think he tries to go for the quarterback too much. He tries to go around the offensive lineman, and holes just open up. And as a defensive line, as a defensive lineman, you got to hold up there a little bit. You, I mean, offensive linemen are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster in the NFL. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a bit iffy for me. So yeah. the, the guy has a great combine, and now you can make a case that he's going to get drafted somewhere in the late first round. That's too rich for me based on what I've seen from him. Now, another guy that, that again, maybe you didn't hear so much about because the team you know didn't have a great year from Iowa State, Will McDonald, uh, again, showed his athleticism and explosion in his broad jump and his vertical jump. Um, his name has come up on a regular basis, you know, potentially like mid to late first round. Uh, is this a guy you like? Yeah, I mean, again, a guy that can get after the quarterback is definitely going to be, like, valued for me and stuff like that. I mean, in 2022, I think he only had five sacks. I'm looking at it right now. But in 2021 and 2020, he had over 10 sacks. So a guy that can get after the quarterback is, I mean, those guys are always valued higher than they should be. Again, another guy that I believe... He's going to be a 3-4. He's going to be an intriguing guy for a 3-4 team. So, to me, not a first-round guy. I know that Mel Kuyper Jr., I think, has been pushing him for like as a top 10, top 15 pick. He just really, really loves him. I'm more in the territory that I like him as a day two pick. Like, top 40, top 50, but not as a first-round guy. But I think pass rushers, they always go a lot higher because it's almost like a quarterback. You want guys that can impact games on the defensive uh, the defensive line or in the front seven. Guys that can get after the quarterback. A guy that can come up with a key sack in the fourth quarter or a key fumble. So I, I think he is going to go a lot higher than I anticipate. And a guy that got hurt last year wasn't able to play in the in the playoff. But Nolan Smith from from Georgia, and we, you'll keep hearing this ref, refrain on a regular basis. I think probably for years to come, or as long as Kirby Smart's at Georgia, is that these defensive guys are one, they're freak athletes. The numbers may not be as great uh, at the University of Georgia because there's such a rotation and the guys, you know, aren't getting it or they're being asked to do some different things. But Nolan Smith, again, a lot of explosiveness, 40 over a 40 inch, 41 inch vertical ran like a sub four, four forty. Uh, it's just frightening some of what these guys can do. But, but again, he did have some production on the field. He has shown some pass rush ability. So he's got to be, you know, one of those guys that you see, again, you think like mid to late first round? Yeah, I mean, he's got big time athleticism and you see that on film, okay? He's not just a workout warrior, but you would expect for a guy like him to get a few more sacks just based on the, the physical talent level. He's around the ball. But I just I would expect him to make more impact plays. You mentioned that he plays on a great defense. He has a lot of people there. But you want to stand out. You know, you don't want to be just one of the guys. So, I, 
Yeah, I think, I think he is Jalen. I think Jalen Carter's that guy, though, because it seemed even last year you heard these guys, the scouts and so forth, when they're talking or being asked about Georgia players. And man, this '88 keeps showing up in in every. But he's not draft eligible. Well, he's draft eligible now, but he's got issues. So, uh, one last defensive player I want to mention from Northwestern, a defensive lineman. Again, he ran really fast, showed good change of direction in the drills and so forth. And I don't want to butcher this name, but Adetomiwa Adeboware. Uh, I'm not going to say it again, so we'll just call him Tomi Adeboware. <laughs> uh, 280 pounds. Again, he played at Northwestern, so you're not going to get a lot of national run. But he was a guy, again, just to me, the naked eye watching, you know, bits and pieces of the combine, he kind of like jumped at me to say, wow, this guy looks a little bit different. Well, obviously, I mean, when a guy runs that fast and is that athletic at that size, 280, I mean, scouts are going to be drooling. I mean, they're going to be like, all right, he's a Northwestern kid. He's a smart guy. You know, we can, you know, improve his technique, you know, get him up there. You know, he's going to be able to use his hands a little bit better. I mean, this is the type of prospect that you want to get your hands on as a defensive line coach. The other one, the other last thing I want to say about it, because we could keep going because <laughs> I you know, wrote down a bunch of names, but just in general, teams or schools that you wouldn't ordinarily think of or maybe they are you know in scouting circles but just in my mind it looks like at least the last few years that illinois maryland cincinnati has some very athletic skill position player when i say skill position i'm talking guys that play on the outside whether they're corners running backs receivers uh not so much in the line. And that's probably why they're not as successful programs because the line play isn't as good as some of these bigger schools. But these guys come to the combine and they look every bit as ready to roll as these other dudes. So I just wanted to mention that. I know Chase Brown, he kind of impressed me, you know, as, as a running back prospect. Now, B. John Robinson, he just, he's just, you got to put him in like in the same class as Barkley, but I don't know if he, if he goes in the top 10. But Chase Brown from Illinois, a bunch of – again, I didn't write all the names down, but it seemed like every time somebody from Maryland came up in a drill or the 40 or the, the vertical jump, they were just tremendous athletes, Cincinnati as well. That's a good point, Lou. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned Bijan Robinson because he's one of my favorite prospects in this draft. I just – you know, at times you just – you look at some of these running backs that come out and you always like ask yourself a question – how high would I draft a running back? I know that I can get some guys on day three, but if I can get a special running back in the 20s, <coughs> deserves, if I can get a special running back in the 20s, it should be drafted in the top five or top 10. That would be drafted in the top 10 if it was like 15 years ago. I mean, I can use him. I can use him like for the next five years. He can be my workhorse. You know, Bijan Robinson is is a great receiver coming out of the backfield. You can line him up in the slot, and he can be that extra weapon. You don't have to just use him as a running back. I just, yeah, I just, I, I love guys that are like X-factors, like offensive weapons. He can be that guy for me for the next, like, five, seven years. And I'm going to ride that horse. I'm going to get him, like, 250 carries, 300 carries. I'm going to run him into the ground. I want like a Bijan Robinson on my team. 
Well, this is kind of, I mean, a, a bit of a, like a Christian McCaffrey, uh, maybe a little bit faster, but I think just in all, like all the skills, like you mentioned, Alex, I mean, I think you can line him up in the slot. He can, he'll run routes, you know, you can put him anywhere, right? Offensive weapon. We've talked about this before. You mentioned it. Uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. It's just that again, with the running back position and we see it and, uh, you know, the, we talked about Saquon, you know, that's kind of like the, the, uh, the comp and, you know, that he was injured a little bit, you know, his first few years, he gets to, you know, the, the fifth year option. Now he's a, tr- now he's uh franchise tag, the 10 million. Now, again, it's, it's a money thing and so forth. And teams just kind of move off these guys, but I hear what you're saying. Hey, we'll use them as much as we can for like three or four years or until, or until the wheels come off and then he'll be somebody else's, uh, somebody else's deal. But uh, I don't, do you, do you feel comfortable spending that first round pick on a guy like that? It sounds like you are, but it just, that's just kind of the question around the league because you see these guys in you know, the second round, the third round being almost as good, very close but the money's, you know, a little bit less. You don't have that, you know, five years. So it's more of a four-year deal. The, it, the money's not as much. You know, you see guy, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, like, busts out of the seventh round. Now, again, goes to the right situation in Kansas City where they didn't have a real solid number one in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which, oh, by the way, was a first-round pick. So it's like the, there's your cautionary tale right there. The seventh-round kid takes over halfway through the year, and he's starting in the Super Bowl, scores a touchdown, the whole thing. So uh, that is the one of the biggest things and more, I guess, a sad thing for kids that play the running back position, thinking that – there's maybe a handful of guys that get a second contract from the original team. And it's, but the thing is when they do, it doesn't work out very well. As much as I know, I love day two picks taking a day two pick on a running back. I love spending like a fourth, fifth round pick on a running back, but it once every five years comes a very special talent at the running back position. And you have to ask yourself the question, how high am I willing to take this guy? If I feel I'm a team that's a running back away, I would definitely pull the trigger. All right. Or my running back situation, guys are getting banged up all the time. You know, they're always on the injured list. I would take a chance. You know, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I think I would take a chance. If I'm the Buffalo Bills, I think I would take a chance on a B. John Robinson. Because, again, even though that's not characteristic of what the Bills probably would do, because they wouldn't take a first-round running back, but a contender. They seem to shy away from that position, you know? Right, but if you're a contender, contender, and this kid falls, and you're, like, on the cusp of being a playoff team, and this guy can, you know, carry the ball 200, 250 times, you know, a game, and you can get him 300 touches, and he can be... He can be catching, you know, 50 receptions a season. I would take a chance. I'm not saying he's going to be the savior for a team that doesn't have a quarterback or doesn't have the wide receivers. But if a team has offensive weapons, this guy could be even more valuable, you know, for, for a team. Like a Marshall, like a Marshall Falk, like a Ladanian Tomlinson type, 
You know, you need a guy like that. Okay, he's not going to get the second contract, but I'm going to get him for like five years and I'm going to use him. And if he's going to have over 1,500 yards and stay healthy, I feel like I've gotten enough out of this player. And I'm going to ride him into the ground. So, and then we mentioned that, and coincidentally, I think of the, uh, what, six players that got tagged, three of them were running backs. Um, Saquon, Josh Jacobs got tagged, as well as Tony Pollard from, from Dallas. Now, again, he doesn't, he, I, he's probably the freshest of all these guys, you know? I mean, he just doesn't have, he just hasn't had the carries because Zeke has been there and it, he went to the university of Memphis and they were kind of on a rotation. He played a lot of receiver there. So, you know, so that I think is, he's a value. I mean, I, and to see these guys getting tagged, it's just so hard where they can be so valuable to a team, but you know, in just kind of the, the whole scheme of things, looking at position by position, what they get paid, they got to be the most underpaid position in the league, no doubt. So I'm Mr. Obvious here, but uh, the other tags were Deron Payne, uh, Evan Ingram and Lamar. And (laughs) I think that will be the most uh, talked about tag, if you will. uh, I don't know, maybe in our lifetime, because you don't see, a franchise quarterback getting the non-exclusive tag. So in other words, they didn't even put the exclusive tag on him because that would be like 40, what is it like 45 million or 42 million? It's a much bigger number. It's at 32 at non-exclusive. But I think maybe here, as far as Baltimore's thinking is, Hey, we've, it's been two years and we haven't been able to come up with a number for this guy that he would be comfortable with. Let's, let him go to the market. Okay. He can sign an offer sheet and we can choose to match or not. The question is here is, is there a team out there that's willing to give Lamar what he wants, which again, we don't know for sure. We can only speculate because I don't think anybody's really talked to him publicly other than his tweets and, you know, Instagram posts and everything else. And they're cryptic at best. But does he want the fully guaranteed contract that Deshaun Watson got? And if he does, is anybody willing to give it to him? The most in- the other interesting part of this is how many teams went out of their way to let everyone know that we're not going to pursue Lamar Jackson after the after the tag date. I mean, it was like within like an hour, Atlanta, we're out. This team's out. Now, again, th- these are reports. Who knows? Maybe they will make these uh make the offer but they also got to think are we being used here are we just you know drawing up this contract so baltimore can just lamar says well you know i'd rather stay with you guys and take this contract because that's the best i'm going to get this is a very interesting dynamic and i don't know Lamar might feel a certain kind of way and if they if somebody else offers them a decent contract um and Baltimore matches it, that's going to be really weird, I think. Like, I don't know that he wants to go back there because he seems like they hurt him personally. From the outside, it just seems like it's it's a situation that can't be fixed. Like, it's a broken situation that I can't see him going back to the Ravens under any circumstances. I think it's going to be a couple of teams that will be willing to just blow him out of the water. And I think the Ravens would just have to accept it. That's it. I just, 
I think that's where we stand right now. I I don't see that Lamar and Baltimore can work out the situation. It just it seems weird to me. And you know, they've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth these negotiations and they're not they're not getting closer based on what we see here based on the franchise tag. I think Lamar is going to be playing elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, no, there's no question that the owners, you know, are probably again, we've gone over this because we've been talking about Lamar and uh, Aaron Rodgers for the last couple of years, because it seems like these negotiations have really gone on. And now Aaron doesn't know what he wants to do. But as far as Lamar's concerned, we know that most of the owners out there are pissed that Haslam was so desperate to get Deshaun Watson that he fully guaranteed the whole thing. Is which owner? I think that's the way you got to look at this. Which owner would step out of line, if you would? Now, again, you know, all these the conspiracy theorists are out there saying, "Well, this is like collusion. Nobody is, no other owner is going to offer a fully guaranteed deal just because they don't want to go that route. They don't want to have to set aside these millions, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in escrow to." You know, just have it sitting so that you can say, yeah, we're solvent enough to pay this player. So you got to think with somebody like Daniel Snyder, who is very combat combative, doesn't care what the league does, all these investigations or whatever, doesn't cooperate, thumbs his nose. At the now, is he selling the team? Is this a big ruse? It just seems like he might be the guy that would do something like that just to piss off the other owners because they're not backing him, if you would, or they're starting to stand up against them. But it just was so interesting. It's like somebody like Atlanta would be, per- to me, would be a perfect fit. I mean, just that market. I mean, not that he's another Michael Vick, but I think just the aura that surrounds him in that community, he would fit in perfectly and it would just be electric, you know, what that that stadium and and. Arthur Blank, I think, would be the type of guy that could do this. Would he be a guy that would offer the fully guaranteed contract? It's just the part of it that, that's going to be interesting is if they if he doesn't get the fully guaranteed contract and the Ravens decide to match it, what is Lamar then going to ask for a trade? Or is it going to be a sign and trade type thing? This is this is just going to be beyond interesting and, and like must see TV if you would. Um, now the other one, the other elephant in the room, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Uh, we talked about it last time we were on, and you were very passionate about making this move. And the Jets, you know, flew out to the whole brass, the coaching staff, some other people went out, and met with him in Malibu. They had the meeting. This was a couple days ago, and now we wait. And again, Aaron's kind of running the show here he's in, he's the guy in charge the packers are like you know they gave him permission so they're i think ready to move on this is just, this is just again wild one of these you know again must see tv reality tv you can't make this stuff up and i'm just here for it because the jets are very desperate where do they go if he does not sign with that or he doesn't you know request the trade with green bay and then they make it work what where do the jets go i mean they they, they kind of crapped out on car 
uh, or they just wanted to wait for Aaron. Do they jump into the Lamar situation? Does Woody Johnson, is he the guy that pulls the trigger? This is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Aaron to the Jets is a done deal. Just in my opinion, I, I think one team is ready to move on. The other team is desperate. And I think they're willing to do whatever to make Aaron feel that he's wanted there in New York. And that would be quite a swan song there. Um, yeah, I think if the Jets struck out, if, they're, if they struck out with uh, Aaron... I think Lamar Jackson will be the next one. I just think that the Jets are desperate, okay? Yeah. They haven't won since the Rex Ryan days. They just, that's it. And at that time, they had a great defense. I've mentioned this last time we were on. They have a great defense. They have a running game. Yeah. I think they have the weapons, all right? Mm -hmm. A wide receiver. Garrett Wilson is there. They're a quarterback away. That's it. They can win that division. Even with the Buffalo Bills, they can win that division if Aaron goes there. Okay, I think it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. It needs to happen. I'm calling for it to happen. Okay, and if it doesn't happen, then I just don't see how Aaron is going to go back to Green Bay. I think he's going to retire if he doesn't go to New York or somewhere else. It just it looks like that's it. It's a situation. It's a done deal. I think the only thing that the Packers need to consider is that they're going to eat a lot of dead money in this the, case yeah the dead money i think they're they're okay with that um be, just because of the situation they're in but i i'm guessing they they may need to pay part of the salary too and then and then you get into negotiations well how much of the salary will they have to pay well then the comp the you know the the return might have to be greater you know first round pick instead of second round picks uh first and a third i know you know some of these trades are like late in quarterbacks uh careers you know typically somebody of this stature maybe a first and a third and then maybe they pay a portion of the salary i don't know but uh yeah it's 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 really come right down to it hopefully aaron doesn't you know stretch this out you know, beyond. And I hope if he does go there for the sake of the team, that he does spend some time with those guys in the off season and not just say, okay, I'll see a training camp type thing. Uh, now, granted he was with the Packers for years. So probably a little bit easier to do that going to a new team. I got to believe deep down, he feels that he owes that to the guys to get to know them and, you know, at least spend the first off season, you know, in the program, if you would. So, uh, yeah, it should, should be exciting times, especially for the AFC East and the NFC quarterback quarterback uh, talent begin, you know, keeps draining. You've got uh, Jalen Hurts. You've got Matt Stafford. Who else you got, Alex? Where, where are we going here? Who's well, Derek, Derek, well, Derek Carr yeah, just Derek signed Carr with, with the Saints. So he may, he may be number two or number three, right? I just think he went to a perfect situation. All right, whether Michael Thomas comes back or not, they have Chris Olave. And I just think the Saints, with that defense, they can do some things. He went they to might a team. still have Michael Thomas, too. They're trying to he work went, on an extension. Lou, he went to a division where he needs to face what? He faces Atlanta, Carolina, and Tampa. He's, Good the, best weather. He's the best quarterback in that division by far. I mean, and he goes, he's going to play mostly against good weather cities, all right? I mean, Carr struggles in cold weather. He goes to a division where he doesn't have to throw in the cold, and he's going to play in the dome. 
half of the time, all right? right. He's going to succeed there with, with those weapons and that defense. I think he went to a perfect situation there. Yeah, I mean, outdoors, you're playing Carolina and Tampa. You know, otherwise you're playing, you know, Atlanta's indoors, they're indoors at home. So, yeah, I mean, he signs, you know, four years, 140 million. Uh, I think real money, if you would, it's like a two year, $70 million deal. Uh, Gino re-ups with Seattle with three years, 105 million, which again, sounds great. I think it's more like three years, 75 plus incentives. Seattle might be able to walk away after two years. Uh, they're sitting there with the fifth pick that they got from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade. Do you think they're in the quarterback market to, to take a young guy? We talked about Anthony Richardson that, you know, probably is going to need to sit. Uh, Gino would certainly, you know, he's shown that he's more than a willing tutor. That sounds like a perfect fit to me. It does. Uh, the, the Seahawks are going to draft the quarterback this year. No question about it. I, I see them taking a guy at number five. Yeah. And it, I mean, I guess if a guy like Will Anderson falls to them at five, they will consider it hard. But I do think that Pete and John Schneider are at a place where they're willing to pull the trigger on a quarterback and not necessarily a guy that's going to help them this year. Maybe it's Anthony Richardson. Maybe it's CJ Stroud. But I think that Geno Smith is definitely going to be that veteran mentor for that guy. I, I'm 99% sure the Seahawks go quarterback there. I think they, they have to. And the deal tells me that they're like committed to Geno, but it's almost like for a year or two until a young guy is ready to take over. Right. So Well, he's, uh, well he, yeah, he's like 32, I think. It so just not makes that too much sense. It not makes that he's too that, much not sense. Not that he's that old, but again, I mean, this is kind of – you know, it was last year lightning in a bottle and everything was perfect. And he all of a sudden became this great player. And then this year he'll be a little bit closer to what he was before. Or does he continue a little bit of an ascension? We'll, uh, I think that's what they want to see first before, you know, they they really committed to him. So, this, hey, this is kind of a happy median. We'll sign, you know, short term, most money that you'll ever see. Right. But we're sitting there, you know, Thank you, Denver Broncos, for the with the fifth pick, and they have a chance to take one of these young quarterbacks. So yeah, that would be a perfect situation there, uh, you know, to kind of retool that team in a fairly quick manner. Uh, the most controversial of the three, uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, we talked about it. Yeah, it makes sense, but oh my gosh, the the market. You have to, I guess, almost anticipate what the market's going to be moving forward, and we really don't have that quarterback middle class but maybe these contracts are going to be the new middle class once you know joe burrow signs for like over 50 million dollars a year justin herbert signs for over 50 million dollars a year patrick mahomes renegotiates that deal and they jump him up you know to huge numbers josh allen all these guys you know uh, uh trevor lawrence once he becomes eligible for an extension so maybe this is the, the middle class, the Daniel Jones, four for 160, but it's more like two years for 82. It's almost like they took the exclusive tag. Hey, if we tagged you twice, what would we pay you? They came close to that, but, you know, but the money's guaranteed now. And we'll see if Dable can con continue to develop you, make you, you know, keep seeing these leaps. Maybe, you know, maybe not the, quite the Josh Allen leap, but 
get better because to pay $40 million a year to a guy that, you know, in his best season through throws 15 touchdown passes is a little hard to swallow. I mean, that's kind of the DAC contract. Um, now again, this may be the middle class because, you know, these numbers are just going to keep going up, but I know you like this. I mean, he, they get the, they get the franchise tag Saquon once this deal got done. So I think it worked out for the giants for the short term. I do think it works out for both parties. You, you get to see what, how he's going to be able to develop over the next two years, and then you can make a decision. But I want, I would like to see the Giants get a few pass catchers for Daniel Jones. It's really unfair right now to to say something about that. I mean, his best pass catcher is Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield. Okay, get him a few more weapons. One a tight end and one a wide receiver. Kenny Galladay was a huge bust in the free agent market when they signed him a couple of years back, when David Gettleman signed him. I want them to get a number one wide receiver and a tight end. And I think Daniel Jones might look a little bit more competent and throw for not 15, but maybe 25 touchdowns. Yeah, and he also ran for seven because they used him. You know, they used his legs. I mean, he is a very, very athletic kid, and you know, we'll we'll see. But you know, if anybody can do it, I'm sure that this is Joe Shane showing a lot of confidence in Brian Dable's ability, as well as Mike Kafka's uh, as the offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach to get the most that they can out of Daniel Jones. Uh, it is restructuring and. Uh, I guess, uh, veteran cut time because everybody's trying to get under the cap. Uh, some guys that I don't know that how many of these are official, but certainly guys that are certainly getting cut, uh, Fournette in Tampa. I think he still has some value to, again, a contending team that doesn't need him to play every down. Uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, hey, Chiefs are looking for a backup quarterback. I don't know that they want to go with Shane Bouchelle at that position, but, uh, you know, Chad Henney's out. Maybe Mariota's the guy. Aforementioned Kenny Galladay. <laughs> He's on his way out. Uh, the biggest mistakes, and we've said this over the years, you know, when you pay a wide receiver two, wide receiver one money and expect him to be a wide receiver one, it rarely happens. And it just more often than not, it goes this direction. And you just hate to see it for the player, for the team. But maybe Kenny Galladay goes to a place where he's not expected to be number one and still be a good player. Frank Clark, I think this was not a surprise. I mean, he's got like a $23 million cap number, and the Chiefs are not just going to play him at that. They couldn't come to a number. Who knows? They'll let him go to the market, see what happens. Maybe they bring him back. Donovan Smith, offensive tackle at Tampa Bay, he's out. And then today, a little bit of a surprise, but Adam Thielen, um, he had, I think he just had it like a uh, – I don't know what his cap number was, but they saved like $6.4 million on the cap by cutting him. He's 32 years old. But again, he goes to a contending group that he can be like the number two or three receiver. And he, I think, is going to have production for at least another year or two. So so again, these contending teams, whether it's it's the Bills, it's the Chiefs, uh, I don't know what happened, what, you know, what's happening in the NFC because of the, the quarterback drain, but he certainly could help one of those uh, wide receiver needy teams. But uh, those guys are all out. Uh, any, any of those surprise you, Alex? Anybody? I mean, do you like any of them going somewhere in, in particular? It's too early 
it's too early to say, yeah. though. But I think, I mean, all the names on that list that you mentioned that whether already got cut or expected to get released, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah. I think either those guys have underachieved or they're already, like, past their prime. But most of these guys were expected to be released yeah. because, I mean, those those teams are going to save some money. I think you got guys like other names that were mentioned, like guys like Bud Dupree in, in Tennessee. He's got a huge number that they could probably, you know, his obviously his production hasn't matched that contract. Uh, now, again, if the Jets are making this move for Aaron Rodgers, Carl Lawson might be a guy that you see get uh, cut or traded uh, 15.4 million against the cap. Uh, Khalil max got a huge number. I don't know. I mean, they, We'll see. So anyway, those are guys there. But some of the top free agents, I mean, some of these guys that you like, um, Philadelphia's got a bunch of them. It's like half their defense. Hargrave, Bradbury, Gardner Johnson. I think all these guys are going to command some money uh, and certainly some attention. Orlando Brown Jr., Chiefs did not tag him. And I think that was kind of a strategic move not to tie up their cap because they had to get under. Uh, We'll see if he comes back or – you know, he'll go elsewhere. I mean, he's a good left tackle. I don't think he's a great left tackle, but his age and somebody's going to somebody's going to pay him. Jesse Bates did not get re-tagged, so he's going to be a name out there. McGlinchey, uh, the offensive tackle from San Francisco, Draymond Jones, Kyle Allen from Arizona. Uh, so a lot of young guys that, you know, those are typically the guys in this going for that second contract and uh, are still like in their twenties, mid twenties that are going to command some serious money. Any of those names that you like or don't like to get a big contract? I hope Mike McGlinchey comes back to the 49ers because I think we need to keep those bookends intact. All right. I mean, we've got Trent Williams and we need to keep Mike McGlinchey. I am very skeptical that they will get it done. I think he will command a high salary from somebody, maybe the Chicago Bears, because they've got a lot of money under the cap and they need to fix that offensive line. Atlanta. But I'm hoping well, McGlinchey right? comes back. I'm hoping McGlinchey comes back. Yeah, Atlanta has another team that's got a ton of money under the cap. And if they don't make the play for Lamar, I'm cert- I'm almost certain they're, they're looking offensive line too in free agency. Let me throw some names at you that might be like value guys. Do you think, you know, I would just give it like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. How about Paris Campbell from Indianapolis, the wide receiver? Thumbs down. Low. Okay. Cam Sutton, corner from Pittsburgh. I like him. I've always liked him. I think he's a bit underrated, and I do think somebody is, is going to get a pretty good player out there. Okay. How about a running back that you might be able to get on the cheap, Rashad Penny from Seattle? I'm going to pass on this one. I mean, this guy can't stay healthy. Okay. Uh, I guess, I don't know, average, above average, young guy, Arden Key, Edge, Jacksonville, if they can't keep him. I'm going to pass on this. Even though he's like resurrected his career a bit from where he was, I'm, I'm always weary of the guys like this that, you know, have a pretty good year. And then, you know, you're expected to probably pay him a lot more. I just, I, I would stay away from this. I mean, this could be a, a huge mistake. 
All right, a couple of safeties were another position. I mean, they're right up there with running backs as far as, you know, the top of that market. But a couple of pretty good players, Taylor Rapp from the Rams. What do you think of him? Yeah, I've always liked him. I've always liked his game. And um, I think a safety is a position that you can draft. I mean, you can find a guy like in the middle rounds and you could save a lot of money instead of signing uh, a guy to a bigger contract. But I've always liked Tyler Rapp as, as a player. But Julian Love? Like him. I, I Again, another guy that I liked like coming out of Notre Dame, and I think that uh, the Giants should bring him back, in my opinion. I think he is kind of the glue of that secondary. Now here's a guy. It's going to be like veteran minimum. But it seems like when the Chiefs let him go, it's like he was like an old man. Now, he's kind of he's 34 years old now, but just in Houston, it just seems like he just keeps producing. Not at a huge level, but as a rotational edge rusher, he might have some value. Bring him back? I mean, should the Chiefs bring him back? And I think that bridge might have been burned. I think they could use him for sure, but uh, we'll see on that one. How about your guy here, uh, Charles Amenahu? I hope. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. He kind of, you know, had a good year, uh, resurrected his career in that offense, in that defense, in that scheme. I hope they sign him, but I just think he's going to command a little more than I think the 49ers are willing to pay. Okay, another Cincinnati defensive player looks like they might lose is Jermaine Pratt, the linebacker. I don't know. Again, Lou, linebackers you can find really cheap, like in the draft. I mean, you can so find these are, really these are, good... Remember, these are value guys. They're not going to get top money, but you might be able no, to No, I know, but I, I, can find, I can find a really cheap linebacker in the draft as a fifth or a sixth round pick. I'm, I'm almost certain I, I can find this guy. I mean, linebackers are a dime a dozen. I, I can bring in a guy off what? the street, and he's going to do well. Last, with all due respect. I mean, yeah, well, last back. one here, and you you wouldn't think this, but an offensive lineman from the, from the Vegas Raiders, uh, Jermaine Illuminor. Young guy. Uh, I think he's, uh, he's well, young. I mean, he's 28 years old. Uh, three sacks allowed last year and 549 snaps. Again, not a, a household name, but, uh, again, not going to score huge money, but I think a guy that, you know, might be some value. Why don't the Raiders bring him back? I mean, the Raiders' offensive well, I mean, line is try. not that good. They might try. I mean, and he may, they may still, but these are guys that are set to be free agents. So who I knows? know, but they should. I yeah. mean, the Raiders' offensive line is as average as it gets. And if this guy just gave up three sacks last year, that's already probably your best offensive lineman there for the Raiders. I would want to bring him back. All right, so a couple of guys. This is this will be the the last before we get out of here. A couple of tr guys on the trade block, and I'm sure there are many others. But uh, Jalen Ramsey, that has been like the worst kept secret. But I I think he's definitely on the trade block. But today there was news where the Eagles have given uh, Drew Rosenhaus, uh, the agent, permission to seek a trade for Slay. That wow. defense is going to look a lot different next year, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you got well, a lot of guys, a lot of moving parts. We didn't even mention Brandon Graham. Now he's a little bit older. He might be in that Justin Houston mold, but uh, I could see the Chiefs. You know, his relationship with Andy Reid. Maybe, maybe he comes in for a one-year deal if that's all he can muster. But what do you think of that? 
Slay and Ramsey. Well, the Eagles have have drafted some young guys like in the right. past couple of drafts. So I think they they've got guys that they feel confident in that can take over for these veterans or guys that are going to command like top dollar. Like Javon Hargrave is going to is going to get a huge deal. And I, don't, I don't think the Eagles can afford it. So uh, I just think yeah, the Eagles defense is complete is going to look completely different next season. It'd be interesting to see what that uh, Jalen Hurts contract is going to look like because I think that what we're seeing here is kind of the preparation for that, right? I mean, if you Darius Slay, I think he's like in, he's like 31 or 32 years old. Ramsey's younger; he's still in his 20s, so there might be a little bit more value there. But like you said Javon Hargrave is a great player. Fletcher Cox, you know, now he's at the end of his career; he may just retire. Uh, but Gardner Johnson, they gave up assets to get him. Uh, Bradbury, that was just like a one-year free agent deal or whatever they did with the Giants, but. Uh, yeah, this defense is going to look a lot different next year. Uh, yes, they've drafted well. There's some rookies that didn't really play much this year that probably are going to get some time. Uh, our beef beef jerky, right? Cam Jurgens, he's going to he's ready to take over Kelsey if he if he uh, retires or steps away. But uh, all right, so uh, I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing for Jalen Ramsey to the Lions. Okay. I don't think this is a, a Campbell type of player, but I do think the connection that the Rams have to the Lions with Holmes as the GM. Yep. I, I just think it, it's got to get done. You know, the, the resurrected yeah, Jerry they worked Goff together. They worked, yeah, they worked together on the Stafford Goff trade. And so. I just think, I mean, they got to go with Jalen Ramsey here. The one thing that I think is holding back the Detroit Lions is the secondary. So they got to start it somewhere. Instead of drafting a guy, you know, in the top 10, I think they can get a really, really top corner and he can be that, you know, one of the premier guys for the next couple of years. And that would go a long way for the Detroit Lions and their quest to win the the NFC North division. All right. So the negotiating or legal tampering period begins on Monday, uh, this coming Monday, the 13th. Uh, the deals will start to become official on the 15th, but uh, if you had Twitter, Instagram, whatever, on Monday, you're going to start seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of big numbers being thrown around to some of these guys that we've mentioned, and uh, we're here to talk about it next week. So for my partner, Alex, I'm Lou on the way out. Till next time. Ooh.